All right. So we're coming on to Facebook, hopefully. And then we will record this also. Got to record it for posterity. Ed. Okay. It's got to be a record. <laughs> if, if you don't record so, it, it did not happen. So if I say something wrong, right? Yep. It'll be there forever. Okay. That's what I tell my children. <laughs> I said, don't get anything on the, on the interwebs because if you say something, it's there forever. All right. Hold on. Let's record to the cloud. Or the sexy voice says we're recording in progress. All right. Well, usually I would say like happy whiskey Wednesday, but it's not Wednesday. It's Thursday. We've taken the day away from Thor because whiskey's more important. So welcome. <laughs> All right. We have a very special guest and, and, and we did a Thursday presentation because our guest was available to us and we'll anytime Ed Cole's available, you take him because uh, he, 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 he he's all around the country and the world. He's a keeper of the quake. He's a, he's been in the, how long have you been in the whiskey business, Ed? Well, this year I'm celebrating 50. I started in 1973. All right. That's good. Julio's liquor started in 1974. If that gives you any, any indication. So there you go. Been around longer than Julio's Liquors is a pretty a pretty biggest accomplishment. But more importantly, Ed is Ed is um I've known Ed I I think I've known it you way too long. <laughs> it's it's probably been what 10, 15 years. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Easy. Right. Um and Ed's one of those type of guys that um I always follow whatever he's into. I want to make sure that I, I I take a peek at it because he's always looking for new things. And what I love about uh stuff that Ed Ed does is it's always quality. So it might be something you've never heard of before, but once I've tried it, I, I'm, I usually end up being a fan. So there's well, very you. few people's judgments. I trust barely trust mine, but ads I will actually trust. So um, now we got your, your, you've come to us anew. You're working uh, with Murray McDavid. Mm -hmm. Now, I know Murray McDavid from, you know, time spent in Scotland and the UK and stuff like that. But Murray McDavid is not exactly a household word here in the United States and a brand. Yeah, it's, you know, Murray McDavid itself <clears throat> really started back in 1994. In 1994, there was a couple of guys got together, a guy by the name of Jimmy McEwen with, of the Bamore yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fam, fame. Um, Renee Mark, um, um, Gordon Wright, uh, these guys, they, they decided to get together because, um, Renee was a, uh, wine merchant right down in France. Um, Jim comes over from Beaumont and then, uh, Gordon Wright, of course, of the spring bank fame, mm -hmm. um, three of those guys got together and decided, you know what? we think we can do some extra finishing with single malt rather than just leave it in a bourbon barrel. Let's, let's do some experimentation. And of course, Renee was, was access to all those wine barrels. Right. Um, so they started putting this stuff together and that was the birth of Murray McDavid. And a lot of people, I don't think realize too, um, that sort of uh, the French connection mm -hmm. too is how much uh how much whiskey is sold in france oh huge. it's it's huge numbers i mean you think okay it's gonna be it's gonna be cognac it's gonna be armagnac and it's gonna be wine right but but whiskey is actually yeah. it's up there 
and and there's a reason for that. Huh? So go back to phylloxera. When phylloxera hit France, killed all the vineyards. Mm -hmm. It was about that time. There was uh, some guys up in Scotland by the name of Johnny Walker and Doers. And yeah, I've heard guys. of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. They, 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 they kind of hung around. And they decided, you know what? We're going to go down and, and take care of all those thirsty Frenchmen. So that's where it all started. I always ask the question, so what is the largest scotch-consuming country in the world? It's France, believe it or not. Everybody says the U.S. I mean, U.S. is up there, sure, but it's it's France. It's primarily blended Scotch whiskey, right? Primarily, right? But they're huge. Well, I mean, you just don't realize, you know, how much the influence of 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 Scotch whiskey across the world is obviously it's huge. It's really paved the way for a lot of other whiskeys, Irish and, and American and sure. Taiwanese and stuff like that across the world. It sort of opened doors. But you had people from Scotland and the UK traveling the world selling selling Scotch whiskey. Right. And the Murray McDavid line, even though we're not as familiar with it, one, we're gonna make them familiar with it, Ed. And the <laughs> other part of this is is too, is there's been a lot of talk lately about what is now occurring in the US market with American whiskeys, which basically translates to independent bottling. Correct. And people are like, well, if you don't make it, it can't be yours. Right. That's the, this, this like weird sort of thing. Like, but for, for hundreds of years, whiskey has been manipulated, bought, manipulated, blended and so forth by a lot of pe other people very successfully who don't distill, but actually present goods that are different than the product that they started with. Sure. And that, that's really the key to the independent bottler program. Um, you know, you're going to have Glenn Levitts and you're going to have the Glenn Fittics and so on and so forth of the world, the everyday stuff. But those individual barrels mm -hmm. as they roll through the system, uh, probably best example of that is, uh, you know, I represent Ian McLeod. Yep. And Ian McLeod is a big blender over in Scotland. So they they've got contracts. They're they're going to be getting barrels in from these various distilleries all over Scotland for the blending purpose. Well, those barrels come in, and if they see something really unique and and, and different, they're going to pull that thing aside, and they'll save it and and then bottle it up under another label. Right, and they'll usually be a, a, like a one off. It'll be a one off. One off. And the, and the other, you know, the the other side of um, the other side of part of that is. There's not all the distilleries in Scotland are not necessarily available here in the United States. Correct. Okay. They don't, they don't put out a single malt scotch. All of them don't put out a single malt scotch for export. So some of the distilleries that you'd like to try and you've maybe have heard about and legendary distilleries that you've heard about don't ship to the United States. So the only way to actually even taste some of these things is through independent bottlers right. who've taken barrels that usually have exceptional quality and put them in and, and bottle them up themselves. And sometimes they do exactly what the distillery does so that an, other markets can get a, an idea of, of, of the distillery character of these ones that you're not getting in the United States. Yeah. And the, probably the best example of that is the number one malt we're going to taste tonight. Well, uh, that was my lead in. Yeah. I, I knew it was. <laughs> and Oh, I, my I, mother didn't raise no dummies except my brother and sister. Um, <laughs> but you know, 
so they're not watching so we don't know. <laughs> uh, so the the very first one is the del Yunin. and so let's pick that one up and, and okay. give it a taste now this is going to be a little bit different this is this is part Marvin mcdavid sort of has different lineups this is part of the of the cast crafts series right yeah to explain that what what they did was and when i first got involved with them they came to me and they said, Ed, we're, we're going to do a new range and the range is going to be cask craft. The whole idea was to come up with relatively inexpensive malts. OK, now, how do you do that? Well, number one, we're not going to put an age statement on there. You can't put the age statement on there because if you started doing put an age on and you have to get up to 10 years, now you're going to get expensive. Uh, but they went around the, the, the world, basically, and talked to their importers, and they said, rather than us telling you what, what to do, you tell us what you need. And they made a bunch of notes. They came back, they compared all their notes, and, and what it came down to, everybody was looking for uh, a relatively inexpensive single malt that was going to be named distillery, a named distillery, that was the key, uh, you didn't necessarily have to put an age statement on it, but we also wanted it cask finished. We wanted it in something different. Okay. So that range was launched, and it's called Cask Craft. Uh, the Murray McDavid range has always been the benchmark series, primarily the uh, single cask, its cask strength, so on and so forth from various distilleries with an age statement. Of course, that's a little more expensive, but this cast craft program, when it was launched and, and they showed it to me, I, I was just blown away. Well, I, I, I get to I get to try some of these with Ben when he was here. So I get to try some of these. And what um, what really sh uh, sort of sold me on the thing is that like, OK, distillery character, mm -hmm. you know, these are things they're, they're not they're not marred up and covered up right. um, by, you know, a heavy, a heavy dose of finishing barrel. Or anything like that. Um, you can taste the uh, distillery character of the distillate itself. Um, it's got a. It, there's enough age on that on these that they're not. Um, they're not grainy or anything by any right. any stretch of the imagination. And this would give a consumer. I, I always look at it this way. This is also very consumable, but it would also give the consumer a good idea if they wanted to explore other other uh, uh, offerings from that distillery. Bingo. And I think that's really the right. key. That's the key. So this was really designed to be almost an entry level. Right. Almost an entry level beginning into single malt scotch. But quality entry level, though. That's yes. what I, That's what sort of like sold me on it. It was like a quality entry level. So this. But first... well enough to drink on your own, too. Oh, yeah. This is nothing wrong with this oh, yeah. at all. Sure. The only thing I told him is I said the barrel should be standing up. It should be the barrel. <laughs> uh, Ryan did cr uh, critique the label. Uh, no, I, I does just that surprise like, anybody? No, oh, shouldn't. Okay. If, <laughs> if 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 not, I'll introduce myself later so you know who I am because that would be me. <laughs> so this is, again, this is like this is fantastic, delicious, right? You get this actually. Again, you you really can't get Del Union as Ryan said. There's probably 200 distilleries over there in Scotland. We're going to get about 40 or 50 of them. Uh, those other distilleries are really designed for blends. That's what they're that's what they're being run for. 
yes, you can go visit a distillery over there, fly over to Scotland, which they'd all love you to do. Um, fly no, over number there. one tourist thing now in the UK is the distilleries. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, that's insane. <laughs> That's and you, you can buy your Bible at the distillery, mm -hmm. uh, although, interesting enough, uh, Del Union doesn't have a facility, a facility so you so, can't can't visit it. You'd have to really call and see if you could. They only have the distillery. There's no basically there's no the, it, the tour ends at the distillery, not the gift shop. Right. You know what right. I mean? There is no gift right. shop. Right. Um, what I love about this is also this is um, for those that are keeping score at home. This is forty four point five ABV. Right. So, yep. Go ahead. They're all yeah, 44.5. Yeah. Well, the, the decision was to reduce to that level. Again, if you're familiar with the chilled filtering process, and I think I suspect most of you are, uh, when you when you get below 45% is where you have to start chill filtering. They would have ch a lightly chill filtered this. They would have had to, because if you if you you go below that forty five percent or that ninety two proof ninety two proof is usually what we call it ninety two usually yeah magic number you get you get below that you're going to get a little hazing going on so you have to stabilize a bit now they won't they won't severely chill filter uh, the big companies typically are going to go down to about thirty two degrees and heavily chill filter their products that clears everything up and it's nice clear whiskey. Obviously, we just stripped out half your taste profile. Um, so this will be very lightly chill filtered just to stabilize. But so anyway, so when you chill filter, basically you're taking the the um, the fatty. Uh, the easiest way to look at it is sort of like fatty acids that are in suspension, taking them out of suspension, right. running them through a filter, and taking them out so your whiskey stays clear if it gets cold. You can do that to varying degrees, and. If you've been around me long enough, they say if you usually can't figure out the reason for something, it's usually taxes. Well, in this case, it's also taxes <laughs> because if you hit certain marks, the tax rate goes up or do you or you're spending more for the bottle on taxes because there's more alcohol and that's what they tax. Sure. So you want to balance out where you're going to be in an ABV in comparison to the taxes you're going to pay. And and keeping it somewhere. And what I do like is instead of going right for 40, which is 80 proof, they they said, well, where can we actually be that we'll, we'll get a lot more flavor profile? Where right. we, and, you know, you start getting into like that 86, like 86 and above is yeah. a little bit higher than what you're typically going to find on the shelf from any of the major players. Right. Um, uh, expressions and stuff like that. So you get a little bit you get a little bit more oomph for your buck, so to speak. Again, they were they were taken down just to the point where they felt the, the the profile was there, the flavor was there, the value was there, everything was there. That was the perfect uh, spot. What do you guys think of this one? What I'll, I'm just going to tell you right now, your regular price you're looking at fifty dollars. That's regular price, fifty bucks. It's not a really. It even tastes a little bit better now, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, so there's the there's the first one of this of this series, right. and we set these things sort of up in a um, a, a line of of tasting that sort of it makes sense for your your palate, right? So, yeah. uh, so we are going to pop in and out of of the the cat craft right. uh, products. Yeah. So the next one, 
is one of my favorites that, again, you can't find a distillery bottling of this. No. If you can, not readily. Occasionally, you'll see. Uh, I've seen. I've seen one or two come out over the years, but not the Flora and Fauna series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> one of my favorites, by the way. Yeah. This is a Diageo owned distillery. It's also a Diageo. The first two are Diageo owned, and the first two are components to Johnny Walker. That's what they use them for. Uh, that's why you don't see these. Uh, again, these distilleries do have a limited uh, production capability. And so all that malt has to go into Johnny Walker. They really don't have enough to be able to release it as a single. And even though they're buying it and stuff like that, it's it's a drop in the bucket compared to what, yeah. if Diageo had a, yeah. was really going to ramp up production enough to sell to this to worldwide markets. You know? Yeah. So this, I think we got, we, what did we get a barrel that the U S got a barrel of this this year yeah. from you guys. Right. That's it. A barrel. Yep. So <clears throat> this next one, the Linkwood, uh, what they did here is they finished it in a Madeira cask. The very first one, the Del Union was finished in, in well, it was, it was in a bourbon barrel, but then they put it into a Koval bourbon barrel, Koval distillery from Chicago bourbon distillery and then they finished it in that this next one it would have started in a bourbon barrel and then got moved into a marcella cask so it's marcella finishing that would be the link that's really nice like that mm. again we're at that 40 just so you guys know we're at 44.5 abv and what I like about these two, you know, um, we talk about the different areas, two space sides that, you know, especially these first two that you don't see that often. Right. Space side is a very, you know, sort of like saying Napa. Yeah. You know, in the wine world. Really nice. This is really, there's, uh, the, there's some really great flavors going on this. I love the the citrus and then it turns into this, this deeper fruit. I'm almost getting like a sort of a, 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 a pitted fruit like a almost like an apricot or a peach or something in that range in this one too almost uh some some date nuts date nuts will. yeah 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 how about that, that one that, that's really, again fifty dollars and that's really been the interesting part of murray mcdavid and their whole philosophy the whole philosophy of murray mcdavid is cask finishing they're always going to be doing that. Well, you, you started, I mean, especially, you know, Jim McEwen was, is one of those guys that like, <laughs> if he could figure out a, how to put, a, you know, any cask he could find, he was throwing whiskey in it. Yep. You know, at the point where, for those of you who don't know, when he became the uh, master distiller at uh, Brooklady, at one point they had so many different finishes that, the other owners like Simon and something like, can you stop now? We just, it's, it's, it's just like, it's blown up. We got all of these finishes, but they were, they were all great in their own way. And it just, but yep. you couldn't have all these expressions just coming out of Brooklady with all these flavors going on. Well, and, and that's a little bit of the history of, of Murray McDavid and how it all developed. So we lost Murray McDavid for a few years here in the States, especially right. primarily because, <clears throat> uh, Jim at that time, along with uh, Gordon Wright and, and the, the other partners, um, they decided to continue this cast program. Well, that was when they bought 
Brooklady from Bean. And they started Brooklady up. Uh, and of course, Jimmy, just like uh, Ryan was indicating, uh, loved to experiment. He always wanted to do something different. So he decided that he was going to make, now this was the first time it was ever done, but he was going to make a gin in a pot still. All of a sudden, a little brand called The Botanist showed up. And it just took off. Well, fast forward to about 2002, I think it was, a little company called Remy come in with a big check and said, we're buying you guys out. Uh, Jim didn't want to sell. The other guys did. He got outvoted, so they sold out. Well, what happened was they wound up then taking all of the casts that they were playing with and this Remy, they had no idea what to do with this stuff. So they put it in a big warehouse, locked the door, and forgot about it. They wanted the distillery, and they wanted the gin They wanted streamline. They, wa they wanted streamline. They, yeah. wanted, they wanted thousands of cases, products. That's what they wanted. So all of a sudden, uh, Edward, the owner of ACO Spirits, which is the company that owns Murray McDavid, gets a call because he's a broker. He brokers casts. Through, uh, with various distilleries and independent bottlers and so on and so forth. So he gets a call from these, these people and he, they said, um, can you come over and take a look and give me a value on all these casts? Because we need to get the casts off the Isla and out, out of our way because we need the warehouse space. And he said, sure, no problem. I'll come over, took a look at the cast and goes, oh my God. Um, how much do you want? And they said, well, no, we, we asked you to come over and give us the value. And he said, tell me what you want. And they gave him the number. They wrote the check right there, handed it to him, said, I'll have the cast off in a week. Off they go. And this whole range blew up because now they had all this old aged whiskey and all these wonderful casts. And he realized exactly what this was all about. I was fortunate enough to be over in Scotland uh, three weeks ago, and Ben Chambers, who is now in charge of all this stuff, I had him over here. Ryan, no, he was here. Ryan met him. Right. Uh, super nice guy, real smart, knows what he's doing. Um, took me to all the warehouses. <laughs> All I can tell you is there's probably a million casts between all five warehouses that are sitting over there now. So we're going to have a wonderful range of, of whiskeys coming in on a regular basis. I also um, uh, forced, I mean, <laughs> convinced Ben that he should send over some casts for us to taste. <laughs> So that we could probably evaluate them and tell them if they were any good that we may buy some. And he agreed. <laughs> so we'll be getting some of that stuff, too. So we're going to be looking at some casts from those guys, too. All I can tell you is I looked at one cast. It's a 35-year-old Glen Levitt. It's going to be bottled up next year. Um, they also had a 40-year-old Mortlock. Um, so, so what we're going to, well, a lot of that stuff too is, is, is Ed's going to be sort of trying to get stuff for what, like 
the good part about having Ed on on this is that he's going to be getting looking at stuff getting for the U.S. market. And so we'll have a little bit of access to, of, of basically of what's coming over here because a lot of that stuff that's coming over here, we'll only have certain places to go, you know. And and some of us obviously, if you hear forty year old Mortlock, you know it's not going to be cheap. But but if you also know what Diageo would do with a forty year old Mortlock, <laughs> it is less money than that. So, guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> so um, so I, it's a really interesting time to sort of see, you know as things are exploding here in the United States with independent bottling is we're start, starting to also see um, more independent bottlings started to show up uh, from Scotland here, which I think is going to be real, which is going to be really, in really interesting. The good part is, you know, you only have so many companies that um, there's only so many companies that I sort of trust their whole lineup. There's other companies that I will not bring in some independent bottles unless I try them because I've had great and terrible whiskeys from them. So I don't trust what they're bringing over. I have to taste it to, in order to decide if we're going to carry it or not. There's other companies that go like, yeah, just send it. I already know it's going to, you know, there's very little risk for me involved because I already know the quality control that they already have in place. I'm not going to get anything bad. So if the price and I know the flavor is going to be okay, we can start working with them and we start bringing some of the stuff over. So it's really going to be, I think very interesting the next couple of years too. So mm -hmm. um, Ben, Ben was playing with that. And I think that's, I thought that was fun. Yeah. Enough of our talk. We, we get a lot of whiskeys to go through. Yeah. Number three. Braval. So, Braval. so how many here have ever tasted Braval before? Couple. Okay. Um, how many here have ever tasted Braze of Glen Levitt? One, okay. Well, it's the same distillery. <laughs> Actually, the story on this is uh, this. This is an old Seagram's distillery that was built in the early seventies. What happened was uh, Glen Levitt was being used as one of the blending malts for Chevis Regal, and as Chevis Regal started to grow in the uh, late fifties, early sixties. Uh, became very popular. They decided to release Glen Levitt as a single. Well, that became popular. Problem they had was they didn't have room to expand the distillery. So what they decided to do was to build a distillery down the road, uh, just about across the street, if you will. Same size stills, same water, same yeast strain, same, same everything. And they called it Braza Glen Levitt. Well, that lasted for a few years, and of course, you can only imagine the confusion. So they decided to change the name to Braval, and to this day, Braval is the main component that will go into Chevis Regal. Like citrus, black pepper, like uh, it, the, the flavor profile is just insane on this. You know, we, I, who was anybody here for here for um, Benedict Hardy? We did the cognac tasting. Um, do you remember what she said? They they taste their their master blender tastes everything in blue glass, so color is of the whiskey mm. or the or in her case the mm. cognac plays no part mm. into decision making, right? Smart. Raise number three up in the air and really look at that. It is almost water. I mean, it, there's a it, when you say a light straw color. 
that's what they mean when they say light straw color. It's it's if you were to look at this, you're going like, well, it's just, you know, oh, this is going to be fine. But there's not going to be a lot of flavor in that because you're looking with you're tasting it with your eyes. When you taste this, the depth of flavor of this whiskey, I think, is insane. Yeah. Uh, in comparison to especially the way it looks in the glass. Yeah. Color, obviously, is not going to be the indicator. Right. Uh, this one, by the way, is 50.7 percent. So this is a cast, our first cast, cast strength. Right. right. This is also an eight year. Eight year. And uh, there were 389 bottles out of that barrel. Out of that barrel. That's it. What do you guys think of that one? Good. That's a very interesting whiskey. Very interesting. With the black pepper yeah. on the finish. Yeah. I and mean, it's really good. It's really super interesting. All right. So uh, let's go to number four. Number four. Now we just got through talking about color. Right. <laughs> and and this one, obviously, is going to have a lot of color to it mm -hmm. because it, it was uh, finished in a PX cask. So a PX sherry. Everybody familiar with the Pedro Jimenez uh, sherries? Dessert cherries. Sher a, sherries? Yeah. It's a dessert. It's a des dessert cherry. So it's a little bit sweeter. Almost really dark, really rich. So this was finished in that um, sherry cask. You can smell it on the nose in this one. Yeah. If, if if you opened up a fresh box of like uh, sun-made raisins and stuck your nose in yeah, there, there, that you would go. be about this, the, the nose that I think you would get on this. Right. You can already, you can already smell the flavor, right? This is the one you can. Yep. Right up, right up on the, Right up on that, a box of raisins. Just open a box of raisins, and you get that smell. And this comes from the distillery Glen Talkers. So Glen Talkers, again, another blending whiskey that you're never going to see. Um, is, I think it, I, we've actually bought Glen Talkers a whole barrel of a it barrel from, of it. Yeah, Did from you? from different people. It's so good. Yeah, it's good. And I I don't I I can't remember the last time I had a Glen Talkers that I didn't like. Yeah. Right. They're all usually really, really good. It's just one of these underrated, unknown distilleries that produce some unbelievable stuff. And if you if you put it in a PX cask, <laughs> it just shines. Yes. It just for some reason, it just they just like fit together like puzzle pieces. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know if it's if it's a heavier, like a, a more oily or viscous uh, distillate. Yeah. But it just fits perfectly with 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 like a PX cask. And and you get that, yeah, John. Oh, yeah, yeah, a drop of water on right. this one. Yeah, it'll explode. So a lot of these distilleries wow. that that um, that's insane are going to be a little bit smaller. You know, you get different size stills, right? And I think probably all of you folks are are kind of familiar with 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 the different sizes and shapes create different flavor profiles, depending on. The configuration of the of the still and the amount of exposure to the copper. Well, all of that, those factors are going to change based on the shape and size of the stills. In this particular case, a fairly small still, mm, really and good. that's where it's getting all of those that heavy viscous oil, that creaminess, if you will. Uh, if you want, also too, especially if you're trying to add a drop of water to a small sample, you can use the RB method, which is the Randall Bird method which is take a drink of water in your mouth and then try it. You'll get and just put the whiskey in your mouth with, you, with water first 
and you'll see you'll see it explode too. That's so good. That is really good. I love that one. And that's a thirteen year old. Yep. Lucky thirteen. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, uh, how are you going to top that one? <laughs> yeah. With with the next one. Okay. You say so. I'll take your word for it. With the next Ed. one. Yeah. Number five. Number five is oh tank. So this again is another Diageo property again going into a lot of their blends. Uh, but here is another example of what we were talking about. Now, this particular distillery happens to be, I think it's either number two or number three volume still distillery in the Diageo uh, lineup at, at 6.2 million liters. So it's pretty good size, but the stills are small. And again, those small short stills are gonna give you a lot more component you're going to get a lot more spice. You're going to get a lot more elements that aren't going to get stripped off. If you have a tall still, you're going to get a lot of exposure. Get that light, light and bright. Tall stills, light and bright. Light and bright. Short stills, dark and dank. <laughs> no, but they give it off so like that those oily, those more oily textures. The more oily textures. Yeah, viscous. There's a lot of a viscousness to the to the whiskey. Yep. Too. So number five, you're bumping ahead. You're not on the right one. You can tell right now. See, I gotta You're keep an right. eye. I gotta keep an eye on you. Yeah, watch me, man. I gotta watch you, you like a hawk. <laughs> Number five. Well, that's that's spectacular too. Mm. You know, like it, it's it it's it's so cool because you got like none of these are really like you know none of these are really like each other. No, they're not. They're just all over the board as far as flavors go. And it's just amazing that you can get so many different flavors with the same basic components. And of course the blender, you know, he's the guy who's putting these things together. You know, what portion of uh, Tina Nick, what portion of Glenn Tackers, what portion of, to create these blends and these different flavors. Yeah. For like Diageo and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. To yeah. do that. Yeah. Oh, we've been talking about blending for the last, like, well, actually the last four, four seminars that we've had have been really concentration on blending. Okay. Which has been great. I mean, we had uh, uh, Mel Maddox was in here last night from uh, Old Elk. Sure. And she's their master blender. Right. And just like, you know, coming up with different flavor profiles and how they go about doing and it. And how they do like it. That. And Heather Green was in before that. And she, you know, basically is doing, she's taking whiskeys from different distilleries and, and putting them together too. And it's just, uh, just amazing, like the different flavor components and how well, if, if you know what you're doing, how well they can taste together. Yep. And these master and these are just all like and now you're coming back to like basically single barrels, S single barrels, you know, and these are just, you know, right. you could you could sit there yourself and just sort of put these together and experiment around and actually make a malt blend with 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 what you have in front of you. And there's enough components to actually make something really cool in my head. Anyways, in this particular barrel, we took uh, 173 bottles. So this was a smaller barrel. Uh not as much juice in this one, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> really this, nice. This one came out at 54.7. Yes, you guys like? Yes? Yeah. All, all the benchmarks are single ballers. All of them, yeah. yeah. What, at what, cast strength. And what we've decided to do, uh, and that was kind of my decision, when, when I first hooked up with them, they have other expressions over in Europe. And I said, I only want single barrel and I only want it cast strength. That, that's all we're going to do. Now, the cast craft, 
obviously, as we explained earlier, that's a different proof, and that'll be a little more consistent because those are more than one barrel put together in order to get that price point. Right. Okay. Uh, but but it's also you're going to get consistency out of that. You'll tip. get consistency. Yes. Right. And that's the whole point. It's what you want it to taste the same. Every bottle you go back to, you want it to taste yeah. close to the same. We're, we're going to maintain this range that we have now in the Cast Craft series, but I'm already looking at new uh, distilleries uh, selections that we're going to be doing. Once we go through this uh, batch, we'll do another batch. And I've already got a couple of them. Uh, Alta Bain is one of them. Alta Bain, yeah, that's, that's um, a nice one. Ben Nevis is another. Um, yeah, <laughs> we got some nice stuff. Ben Nevis, anybody here had Ben Nevis? Yeah. Yeah. Ben Nevis is actually one of my favorite distilleries. It's, it's rich. It really and you don't see that over here. And basically the only way to get it is independent bottling. Yeah, it's hard to get. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. There's some Japanese. I mean, I might have some in there too. So. <laughs> All right. So number six. All right. I am unfamiliar with number six. How do you say that? Okay. This is pronounced Crofton G. Crofton G. Okay, so here you guys have all heard my theories about about Gaelic words of of whiskeys, that there is no proper pronunciation, that the Scots are just messing with you, <laughs> and the more you drink, they keep telling you it's pronounced a different way, <laughs> and it's it's all it's, just, it's like a big freaking joke that <laughs> that only the Scots are putting up. Oh no no, you're mispronouncing that. That's not how you pronounce that. This one here, when I first looked at it, I said, "What the hell." <laughs> Crofton G? I, I have no clue of okay. why they came up with that name, but this is an, a second, uh, it's a second name uh, from a distillery, Loch Lomond. Okay. So it comes from Loch Lomond. Loch Lomond, probably one of the most easily pronounceable names in Scotland. Yeah. Loch Lomond, right? Okay. Let, let's screw it. Like, again, yeah, they're doing this on purpose. Yeah. Let's screw with them. Yep. Loch Lomond's so easy to say. Okay. Crofton G. All right, there you go. <laughs> but this particular one is a peated version. Yeah. You so, can smell that right away. Yeah. So it's a peated version that they typically don't do. Uh, and that's why they really came up with this weird name. You know what's really cool is that you get that. There's a very different finish to this, right? You get up front on the nose. And in the first sip, I get <laughs> and, and everybody... You'll hate when I say this, but um, uh, the chloroseptic when you were a kid, mm. right? And then from there, it goes in a different, I almost get like a, um, I want to almost say like a, a, a peanut or something like some sort of nuttiness to it. And then it goes off, then it goes off from there. It's, it's very, very different. I, don't it's an get... interest, I know, but it's just an interesting, and I'm allergic to nuts. That's why I know it's definitely peanut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Really cool though. Well, it's different, and, and it's got like a lightness to it, and it's got these different flavors. Of the, is anybody getting anything else on the end, Johnny? Johnny on the spot. What is it? Campfire ash. Yeah, you can have a question. Is this a Balvenie peat week? In other words, do they not do they not make a Peated whiskey, Loch Lomond, not make a peated whiskey all, all year and then just do it every once in a while. That's correct. Okay. It's, it's a once a year uh, offering. 
you know, and the, the big reason for that, of course, is if you're going to make. If you've ever been to a smoker's house, you exactly know yeah, why. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, a big reason. It gets into everything. It gets into everything. So, and not just that, but when you finish making PD whiskey, you've got to go in and clean everything out. Right. All of the the hoses, everything has got to be clean. It's a major job. So, yeah, it's a once a year off thing. And it's basically before they clean. Yeah, so, it's before they clean. Hey, it's just about time to clean. Hey, you know what we should do? Let's make some PD whiskey. All right, great. Because <laughs> if we're going to clean, as, yeah, but it's one of those type of things is like, now you know when it's clean because you won't smell the peat anymore. Yeah, that's right. So it's like it's like a, a an indicator that you've cleaned enough, right? Because you get all the peat smell out. It's it's also interesting where you harvest your peat. Of course, they won't have peated their barley. They would have bought it from um, a maltster, right? At a peat level, but where you where you get your peat? So I'm I'm going to say that probably this probably peat. is a highland highland peat. peat. Yeah, it's a highland yeah. peat. It's not a it's more of that grassy. Thanks to exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Heather. Heather. Yep. It's not a fun thumb yep. to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. More herbal than than um I, I than iodine or iodine salt. or salt. Yeah. yeah. Right. What do you guys think of that? That's really different though, right? Hey, uh Frank, did you try that one? Frank doesn't like Frank <laughs> Frank doesn't like Frank doesn't like Pete because but I haven't tried him in a while because he's he's found ones that he's liked. It's oh, like, you know, and you can sound like Mikey. He's like, and Frank likes it too. <laughs> so that's like our gauge. That's our gauge. For, um, Frank, don't, 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 don't try the next one. Yeah, the next one's called Smokey <laughs> Scott. That's yeah, already gone away. So the next one is Smokey Scott. So this isn't in the line. This is a standalone. This is a standalone. This, okay. this is a brand from ACO Spirits. It's a brand that they've had over in, in Europe for Probably about four or five years, I guess. Okay. <clears throat> so it's it's a very popular brand over there. We just are now launching it here. Reason I wanted to do these is because it's both Kalila. Both so the Smoky Scott is Kalila. But it's Kalila taking it for, down to 46% on chill filled, on chill filtered. Um no caramel color, all that stuff. No, there's no caramel color in that because it's just no, it's, it's just the shy of water. Yeah. The color white. on it. But what I want you to do is to be able to taste this as compared to the next one, which is also Kalila. Okay, so uh, I, I always have to save. Uh, it's too late. You told it too late. They've already drunk that one. Save some of number <laughs> save some of number seven to compare to number eight. If Frank will have stuff left over, if you need some, because he won't try either one of these, but this will be, a, let's just do seven. Let's do seven and eight together then. Okay. You know? Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. They're both Kalila. Both Kalila. Different ABVs. Right. Right. Different ages. So, so the ABV on this is uh, 54.2. Uh, on sorry. number eight, the benchmark. That's um, the last one. That's number eight. Yeah. 46% on the Smoky Scott. Smoky Scott. Okay. So the Smoky Scott's been reduced to 46. The number eight has been left at cast strength. Nine yep. years. You know, though, you still get a number seven, which is down to, they brought it down, like you said, to 46 and stuff. I still get a lot of that. Um, it's a younger whiskey, obviously, than yeah. the nine, which right. is number eight is nine years old. Okay. But you get a lot of that, what I like to call sweet peat. There's a sweetness to the to the peat at a younger age, 
And I do think that comes off very well in the Smokey Scott because everybody thinks it's all going to be one. It's going to be one note. Right. It's just Pete. No, that's it. And, you know, it's going to overpower. It's going to do all this other stuff. And people don't realize that the the peatiness of it, it's sort of like barbecue. You get like you, even though it's smoky, you get a sweetness to it, too. Correct. And you, with me, with Kalila, I get that typical lemon. To me, there's always lemon. Well, I get that Kalila. in number eight. I get that in number eight. That lemon pops and sits in the there's a Myers lemon sitting in the I'm right in the middle of your tongue. Yep. On number eight. Right. It's it's there. It's there with the smoky scat, but it's way in the back of the palate. Right. Really, really neat. But I again, mean, but but the different you guys like it's so cool, right? Because it's it's they're very different. Very different, but you there's, you know there's, for, a, there's a DNA going through both. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And anybody that likes the smoky PD style, uh, again, Smokey's got for me, it's, it's such a great value. I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's there's my everyday sketch right there. Yeah. Especially, I don't know if you know we, if you're watching this now. I don't know what the weather is, you know, outside for you, but for today, as we're doing this tasting, it's cold and wet. It's perfect. Cold and wet Absolutely and dark. Perfect. Because it's like, you know, it, it's what is it? Three o'clock in the afternoon. It's like pitch black outside. <laughs> yeah, right. So. That, that was a little strange for me. What's that? Coming from Chattanooga. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my daughter's down in Florida. So now we're always like, is it light there? <laughs> you know, as it gets later in the day, because they get, is it still light there? Yeah, we're pitch black. It's three. <laughs> but, um, but really good. But again, totally different. The benchmark series, I, 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 listen, I'm gonna, I like that. That nine-year-old at that higher ABV, that's my wheelhouse. It's that, that's my, it's very, very tasty. tasty. It's very tasty. It's, that's really good. I like that one a lot. So um, this is just uh, sort of, we just dipped your toe into what is now going to be being offered by Murray McDavid this like over the over the next year. We have more whiskeys coming. Some of these whiskeys, by the way, are not even available. You guys are trying them. They haven't hit the shore yet. So you're getting you're getting a sort of a sneak peek on some on some of these too. I'll go through what what is and what isn't available, but you're getting a sneak peek. But but this is only going to sort of expand as we get into this over the over 2024. This this range will sort of expand and you'll get to try other whiskeys from Murray McDavid. And, and, and the cool part about this is it's, it, it is one of those type of things, especially if you're into the benchmark brand. Uh, if you're liking stuff that comes from them, if you find something you like, it's like, if you want to have a little, an extra, get an extra bottle because there's a hundred, you know, certain things, there's a hundred and something bottles, by the way, that's for the country. Yeah. That's for the country. That's for the country. So uh, we're very fortunate. We're, I got to tell you, we're very fortunate in this state that Ed has teamed up with another friend of ours, uh, Christine, who's here tonight, Christine Cooney from Heavenly uh, Spirits. And she's she's going to be bringing these in for Massachusetts, right? Mm -hmm. Or she bring them in for the country, right? No. Just for Mass? Yes. For Mass. And uh, so she's going to have these. So um, we, have, we have a very good connection to make sure that these are coming over. Um, we've talked to Ben about uh, teaming up on some stuff to offer as as new new products come in 
So we're hoping to be sort of like a premier house for uh, Murray McDavid as new stuff comes in. So if you're looking for places to try it or you're looking what's going to be coming new from them, we're, we're going to be the place to, to go. So, well, I can tell you that I've already gone through and picked uh, the next six casts that we're going to be bottling. They're, they're in the process of bottling right now. We'll have them here sometime probably, I would imagine about the first part of February, roughly. Which sort of corresponds to the end of February when we have Go Whiskey Week. Ah, uh, yes. So maybe we'll have a Murray McDavid night. That would be fun. During that week. <laughs> no, don't worry. I already had Ben committed to it. It's already done. <laughs> it's already done. We can make, we can maybe blend. We could do lots of different things. Um, so, you know, keep an eye out. This is something, you know, that's uh, in flux. It's in, in but we we're they're going to be over here. You're going to get to try them. And uh, I want to thank Ed for coming to oh, see us tonight. Thank you. And uh, showing this, these, even so some of them are available. You got the sneak peek. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. As always, and you proved to me that I should have faith in you tonight <laughs> by this day's thing. Thank all of you for coming. I want to go through a couple of different things. Let me get rid of the people on Facebook. It was awesome here, by the way. You should have been here. It was great. You can also check out It's the Liquor Talking wherever you get your podcast. This will be up there. Cousin Vinny gets this up there like the next night or something like that. So if you want to do that, or you can go to the Julia's Liquors Facebook page. And you can uh, watch these two ugly mugs up on the thing. Well, me, anyways. That's good looking. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye-bye.